Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. And this is episode number 207 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Welcome everybody. It's our short topic evening, so we're going to talk about some amateur radio stuff, some open source stuff, and some stuff that puts it all together, and then we're going to wrap it up with our social media roundup. So, Cheryl's sitting over there next to me. Hello, everyone. And Bill is probably trying to find a cigar cutter somewhere in uh, snowy Montana. I wish I were, but <laughs> not tonight. it's a little too cold outside to be uh, opening up the garage, so I'm, uh, I'm going to... Stay here and be warm and just have a drink. Aww. All right. Well, while you're pouring yourself that drink, you can tell us about symbol rate limits. Yes, symbol rate limits. So the ARRL again calls for action on symbol rate limits. Uh, they Another noteworthy and urgent need that uh, might call for some regulatory involvement by the FCC, the ARRL said, relates to an outdated regulation that limits data rates in the HF amateur radio communications uh, area. So this is basically pertaining to every... Uh, Every uh, mode, digital mode we have in the, in the in the HF portion of the band, there's a rate limiting uh, a rate limit uh, below 29.7 megahertz. So the uh, the FCC and well the ARRL has uh, filed another uh, 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 what do you call it a uh, uh, request for, for rulemaking. Yeah, petition for rulemaking. I was going to do an RFC, request for comments. But. <laughs> Same thing, just different spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So RM-11708 was filed uh, uh, filed in November. Well, it was filed in November 2013, but I think they're uh, reviving it, uh, putting the little paddles on it and saying clear and uh, getting this one back <laughs> back into the face because they're probably not going to get the Parity Act running, even though they were already sitting in front of Congress, what, last week? So... Uh, <laughs> Maybe they'll get something accomplished this year and, and, and make everybody uh, at least appreciate the ARRL again. Well, I guess we'll see if that actually happens. It's probably about time for this to happen, though, because there's so much going on in the digital communication space. It seems pointless to have rate limitations on you know packet transfer at this point, especially if, since everything's becoming much more compressed and much more easy to fit into a smaller amount of bandwidth. I think the uh, limits are becoming outdated, and that's shown by the fact that this is getting a shot of adrenaline and, like you say, uh, a couple of the shock paddles. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is not going to replace, you know, uh, LTE speed or 5G speed and stuff like that. That's not what anybody's asking for in the HF. You know, we're just we just want the stupid, you know, uh, what is it, 300 baud or something stupid like that? That limit taken away, so so you know we can continue on the path to really good digital modes right absolutely so we're going to give cheryl something to do here tonight and she can tell us all about the death star (laughs) (laughs) okay so our next story is death star oh i mean d star one phoenix first d star communication spacecraft launched 
A Soyuz rocket launched D-Star-1 Phoenix and 10 other satellites into orbit on February 1st from Voschny Cosmodrome in Russia. Developed by German Orbital Systems in Berlin in cooperation with the Czech company iSky Technology, D-Star-1 Phoenix carries an amateur radio relay payload, call sign DP-1-G-O-S. G-O-S? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It replaces the D-Star-1 nanosatellite that failed to attain orbit following a November Soyuz launch from Avostani. The modules are configured to work as D-Star repeaters, so they retransmit and receive D-Star frames on the downlink frequency. They also have a D-Star voice beacon. So all you D-Star nuts out there, now you can do D-Star satellite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not sure when they're actually turning it over to amateur use, um, but that will probably be forthcoming here pretty quick. So I don't remember hearing about the failed D-Star NanoSat. Yeah. Yeah, it was part of, uh, I don't think it, was it on the the payload that blew up on the pad? I can't oh, remember. Maybe. Probably, yeah. Because there were several little nanosatellites that, that blew up, and I think one of the D-Star ones was on that particular uh, particular uh, payload. Be all the so it's, folks in Vostoshny had too much... Of the too much vodka, the vodka, the vodka. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're following my footsteps or something. So. They got too close to ignition, and the whole thing went up. Yeah, the whole thing went up. Oh <laughs> uh, boy! Well, I know uh, you had something you wanted to talk about before we uh, move on out of the amateur radio spectrum here and get into our open source topics. Apparently, you had some issues with uh, one of your youngsters. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Doodlebots, as we like to call her, was uh, busy doing her homework <clears throat> on a uh, on a tablet that I let her use once in a while that's logged into my, uh, my Google Chrome profile. And uh, she decided to get real creative and put all her links to her math application and her her, you know, Google's Weebly site and everything else. She uh, replaced my entire bookmarks bar on my, on my profile with all these shortcuts to her stuff for school. And uh, I was working downstairs. So this is, you know, good routine and everything, ignoring her while she's upstairs playing on the tablet. <clears throat> and uh, I, I was I was downstairs. And I was like, oh, I want to listen to some music. So I, I have a, a shortcut on my bookmark bar in my other profile because I was in my work profile. And, and I was like, where the hell are all my bookmarks? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting here looking like, oh, these are all Daphne's. So so here I am downstairs in the basement, and I'm screaming upstairs, Daphne, <laughs> Daphne, stop whatever you're doing. Get down here. <laughs> I said, hey, what did you do? What do you mean, what did I do? <laughs> she was like, uh, I'm like, you, you, like, you bookmarked everything, and you got rid of everything I had up there. I was like, did you, did you purposely delete stuff? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, there's like, you know, 15 links I had up in the bookmark. I was already scrolling off the page and stuff like that. And, uh, anyways, uh, I was like, oh crap, I got to figure out how to fix this. And, um, apparently if you're a Google Chrome user, which I know, yeah, I give all my data for free to Google, but who cares? I've gotten over that, you know, since what? 2004 or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't give a crap anymore. Okay. People get over it. (laughs) Anyway. So in your Google uh, profile, um, in your directory and in Linux, you can go to your dot config slash Google dash Chrome slash default. It actually keeps a backup copy of your bookmarks from the last time it synced. 
So fortunately, it didn't sync until she had all her changes in place. And I was able to pull my bookmarks off the backup file and, and reinstitute them. And it's nice. the same in Windows as well. So like all my, like all my boxes are connected to that same profile. So I don't have to, you know, of course have different shortcuts in different places and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So it was really, it was really kind of cool that that's there. <laughs> and that's kind of like a feature, you know, just in case you screwed up and sync something across <laughs> you didn't really want to sync. Right. Um, you can grab the file and it's like called bookmarks ak so like a backup file cool. and uh, yeah so i was able to get out of it but I, I thought it was so funny that that she actually went through the trouble of doing that so i, <laughs> I created her a little directory with her name on it on the bookmarks bar so i was like you can use this but don't delete my crap anymore <laughs> that was not funny <laughs> i like panicked for a little bit i'm like uh, i had a few other other work links there that i need <laughs> poor baby <laughs> i do like the fact that chrome actually uses your google profile and syncs your bookmarks and your plugins and stuff like that so anytime you fire up a new machine and they're there and On fire up device. chrome right you just every log device. into chrome and then boop it's all there and what I like is you can just hit the, you know, go into the history and then you can see by device all the tabs that are open. Yeah. All your browsers yep. on every device. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, yeah, I was looking at this on my phone. I want to look at this link again. And, uh, yeah, you can pull it up. I mean, you know, it's cool. Okay. It's neat. I like and, it. And another great thing is the, like, the dev studio built into Chrome. So yes. it's just like you uh, – open up a web page and you pop it open and you can see everything you ever want to know about that page. I use it to pull Instagram links out because if you've ever tried to download a image off of Instagram, it's impossible to find the link to the URL for just the image. Yes. But you use the dev studio and there it is. And then you just copy it out of the dev studio, put it into a new link and voila, you have a picture. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> control shift I is the shortcut for that or alt sh apple shift I or command shift I. <laughs> yeah, so, something along those lines, yeah. It's it's not hard to find. which which browser you're in, right? Or which right. Uh, which uh platform you're on or whatever. But yeah, it's it's really cool. I like I like that. But so yeah, in case you ever have a kid that uses your profile and erases all your bookmarks, you can recover them. So So there you but, go. There you go. No, you know. Now you know. And knowing's right. half the battle. Well, yeah. I have some <laughs> more information on the Phoenix, <laughs> if anybody's interested. Sure. Okay, so apparently the first one, um, they lost it in uh, launch on November 28th. It, you know, it did not make it. Apparently the, the satellite or the rocket blew up. Um, okay. According to the, the D-Star 1 website... Uh, it's a CubeSat with four identical radial modules with D-Star capabilities, all operated in half duplex. Two are for telemetry and telecommand and operated on identical frequencies. Um, and it said that uh, telemetry can be reached on 435.7 megahertz. Format will be disclosed after launch, which there's nothing disclosed at this point. So maybe, you know, in a couple of days, they'll say something. Says all modules are operated in a power save mode. They're idle for forty seconds and then receive mode for twenty seconds. So, says the modules switch to receive mode for five minutes. So it might be necessary to ping the satellite a couple of times until your answer is received. So interesting. Yeah, it's acting like a digipeter, like like a packet radio. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't have D Star, so I can't really play on that. But uh, nor I. 
and I don't give a crap. <laughs> One of yeah. these days, we'll wow. have to do D-Star and so we can talk about it intelligently, but since it's such an expensive technology still, yeah, not, yeah, not really with all the little like mini DV things and stuff like that. It's but even still... the dongles are in the hundreds of dollar range, so I mean... Yeah, where's my Beofang D-Star radio? That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it can... E5R D-Star, that's what I want. Right, uh, so it can splatter the digital spectrum as well as the analog spectrum. Exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. That's exactly what we want. So let's uh, let's move on to, I guess, open source, huh? Yeah, talk about Ansible. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was looking for some open source topics, and I ran across a link to Ansible. And this is uh, probably, if you're a DevOps or a sysadmin, you probably have seen this one before. I, I had not, you know, I'd seen Chef and I'd seen Vagrant and I'd seen all these other, you know, stand up uh, VMs and stuff like that technology. And I, I hadn't seen Ansible before and they had a really great website. And uh, so here it is. Uh, have you checked out the open source project Ansible? Ansible is an open source automation tool used to configure servers, install software and perform a wide variety of IT tasks from one central location. It is a one-to-many agentless mechanism where all instructions are run from a controlled machine that communicates with remote clients over SSH, although other protocols are supported. And, uh, of course, it supports, you know, being the sysadmin side of stuff. But it also allows users to uh, to use Ansible as well to do user-related tasks where they're given certain level of permissions, and they can use this to also distribute uh, commands across uh, the domains that they control or, you know, the software or or whatever um, that they have access to. Like if they have to run reports or gather statistics and send it out, um, this would be a tool for doing that as well. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're looking for something like that, you know, the uh, chef, vagrant, blah, 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 you know, DevOps type stuff, uh, give, give it a give it a look. It looked pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting, and the nicest thing about Ansible that I can see is that it's a simple apt install on Debian systems, for example, and it's completely agentless. It basically uses SSH or another transport of your choice, but SSH is the default. And it's kind of like a network scripting engine, and it does everything from the client side. And it allows you to use pre-done what are called playbooks, which yeah. are you know groups of configuration options and and variables and uh, set up tasks that are run from the client and then you just you know you run them and it connects to the server that needs to be updated and it goes through the list of tasks and performs all of them and you basically wind up with the state that is specified as the end goal in the playbook and yeah it can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. So it's a, yeah, it's very similar to chef. If you've ever used chef, it's, it's, it's very, very similar. Like, uh, it's exactly the same way chef can distribute itself. It's, uh, made just to be running from the computer you start from. So, yep. So if that's the kind of thing you're looking at or just need to automate some simple tasks or some system operations or configuration, schemas or anything like that then you might want to check out ansible it's a great little project and it is open source and then speaking of open source open source has turned 20 as not a, a teenager anymore no it is no longer a teenager it's uh somewhere about halfway through college and uh <laughs> that is like today literally february 5th 2018 it is 20 years old today uh the open source definition was published 20 years ago providing a framework for the most significant trend in software development since that time. And it was building upon Richard Stallman's prior advocacy for free software. An alternative to free software was sought because that term 
invariably requires further explanation that free means, you know, free to use as opposed to no cost. And we go through that all the time around here. And while people can and do quibble about differentiating details, both free software and open source ultimately boil down to making an application and system source code available and putting the software under a license that favors user freedom. To companies accustomed to keeping source code secret and to intellectual property profiteers, that amounts to heresy. Uh, in an account penned in 2006 and published on Thursday, the uh, you know a few days ago, other suggestions to describe software unencumbered by restrictions include source code available, freely distributable, cooperatively developed, and sourceware. Uh, the term open source won ultimately on February 5th, 1998. Stallman, we'd like to point out, still prefers free software. One of the founders of the open source movement, Bruce Perrins, who is also a ham, uh, Kilo 6 Bravo Papa, uh, had previously drafted the Debian free software guidelines, which were adopted to become the OSD. And that was on February 9th, 1998, when he published the announcement of the OSD. And we've actually had personal interaction with Bruce Perrins because he usually shows up at Hamvention, although I don't recall him coming to Hamvention or last at least year? stopping by and talking to us last year. No. No, but uh, all the years prior to that, he had. So maybe he wasn't there last year. I don't know. Um, but it, the article is from the register, and it goes on to talk about uh, converting the masses over to the open source way of thinking. And, and there's quite a few uh, more paragraphs and pages on the register's website about this particular uh, particular topic. So uh, there's a lot more to read, and a lot of it is from Bruce Perrins, who has been in the open source world from basically the very beginning. So if you want to read a very interesting article about open source and a lot more detail than we've really touched on here, uh, check out the register article. The link will be in the show notes. Sweet. All right. So let's combine <laughs> our open source and ham radio worlds and talk about Linux in the ham shack. And you're going to talk about some, uh, something called Seagran. Seagran. So this is almost like SDR Linux in the ham shack uh, segment because we are talking about SDR here. This is a uh, CGRAN, uh, very much like uh, CPAN or any of those other ones, is a comprehensive GNU radio archive network. That's what uh, CGRAN stands for. It's a free and open source repository for third-party GNU radio applications, a.k.a. out-of-the-tree modules, that are not officially supported by the GNU radio project, but have their own uh, 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 basically uh, uh, clearinghouse here for finding them. And if you go on the website, you can find all the links to their GitHubs for various uh, snap-ons and, or I guess, modules that you would use for uh, GNU Radio, which, of course, runs in Linux. Don't, and don't say snap-in. That's a Microsoft thing. <laughs> snaps? No, snaps is a Ubuntu thing. No, snap-in, not snap. Oh, snap-in. Oh, snap-in okay. is the thing that you jump into the MMC to run administrative tasks. They're called snap-ins. Oh. I didn't know that. Oh, well, there you go. I know too much about Microsoft, apparently. Yeah, apparently. You're you're like drinking the Kool-Aid. I know. I guess so. (laughs) But you can find stuff like uh, uh, GR Event Stream. Uh, It's a scheduler streams and Bursty does an event stream scheduler. They have uh, an LTE downlink receiver uh, setup. So you can do LTE synchronization, estimation, 
Um, they have an interface to uh, NMEA there. You can find a GNU Radio Radar Toolbox, GNU Radio Module for Data Encryption using the uh, NACL library. So uh, lots of interesting stuff there being developed for GNU Radio. I know we've talked to the uh, uh, several teams in the past, like the Hacker RF guys and stuff like that, that uh, are doing stuff with GNU Radio. I thought it was interesting to uh, find kind of like a repo for uh, a repo for all the repos. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah, I know we definitely want to we definitely want to talk some more about SDR in the future. And I want to get more versed in it myself here. I do have an SDR dongle that I want to play with, um, but I haven't really dug into it deeply enough beyond just basically turning on saying, ooh, look, I can talk to it. (laughs) That's I, I. Basically, where I'm at, too. I I have one of those uh, RTL 2832Us that I have uh, plugged into GQRX and said, oh, look, I can hear a local FM radio station. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess we we just talked about uh, the the one for Android as well. So there's a, you know, I plugged my SDR dongle into the Android to pick up a radio station. So, yeah, that was really cool. (laughs) It it is cool. And I like the whole SDR.hu thing and and all of that. And we definitely need to take a much deeper look into SDR. And I need to look at getting mine up-converted or finding one that's already HF compatible so we can actually use it for something real. Yeah. So, um, you know, look forward to maybe a more detailed... uh, episode in one of our uh, longer topic episodes so but uh for this time we're going to talk uh, about another sdr project um did you want to cover that or do you want me here let's let cheryl uh read this one if she can get through a few of the acronyms so yeah just, no no, no that's just take okay. it slow. no it's fine <laughs> okay there's not that many no no it's not <laughs> that many. all right <laughs> Why me? Yeah. So Well, you don't have to. We're not twisting your arm. Well, or why don't you do it? All right, <laughs> fine. So we're going to talk about the Lime SDR, the mini RPI Zero mashup, maybe the world's smallest DVB transmitter. And this was a uh, project that was crowdsourced, and they got way, 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 way overfunded. So everything went you know, out, and I guess these are being produced at this point. Uh, or no, they will be produced very soon. Yes. So Lime Microsystems announced an open source prototype hack that combines the Lime SDR mini board, a Raspberry Pi Zero, and a Pi Cam, and is billed as one of the world's smallest DVB transmitters. The prototype encodes and transmits H.264 encoded 720p video on the 1.2 gigahertz amateur TV band using a low-cost RTL SDR DVB-T TV tuner, dongle, Based on the RTL 2832U chipset, the project sends a video stream through the following chain of open source tools, AVC2TS, an H.264 encoder and transport stream encapsulator, DVB2IQ, an IQ modulator, and LimeTX, a tool for sending IQ to the Lime SDR. The Lime SDR Mini is a newer, smaller, and reduced feature board over on Crowd Supply. Looking for fulfillment in March 2018, the project has been funded 373000 of its original $100,000 goal. So there you go. So that means it will be produced, but you can still jump in because I assume this is still being uh, yeah, actively funded. So. Yeah, so this was just one of the projects that they've uh, built with that new mini board. So we did talk about Lime SDR when it originally came out. And I think that board is originally like around 300 or 399 or something like that or $400 price point. So this is a mini kind of like knockdown 
just the needed features and stuff like that board. And uh, in the show notes, we've included the link to the article on this Linux gizmos uh, about the putting the pieces together. And, of course, the uh, crowd supply link, too, which I think you can still get in on on the pricing. And like I say, they are looking to ship in March. So it uh, won't be too long to get that board out. And considering that Lime SDR has a history, it's probably uh, it's probably safe. <laughs> you know? It's not uh, not going to disappear. Absolutely. So check that out. And we do hope to, at least in the next maybe few episodes, cover a deep dive into some SDR. We're not sure what part of SDR we'll talk about, but we'll uh, we'll talk about something for sure. And I don't know if we have decided what we're going to have on tap for the next uh, Monday deep dive. Do we uh, have a topic that we're going to shoot for? I have not picked one. Um, we have a we have a master list of random topics. Um, Which, but, by uh, the way, you're all welcome to add to. If there's something you want to see us do a deep dive on, please send us a suggestion. We can always uh, use some more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be the only one that has any ideas here. <laughs> please, please send topics so we don't have to do mine. <laughs> I'm begging you, please. Yes, yes. All right, so with that, um, I guess we don't have a teaser for the next time. We do have the social media roundup to get to. And next time we will be doing feedback. Well, we won't be doing feedback the next time because we will be doing our Thursday uh, yeah, we the weekend Thursday coming up. Yeah, That'll be the next thing, episode number 208. And then next Monday after that will be the deep dive and you know we'll be doing whatever it is we're doing for that. And we will also have feedback because we do have quite a bit of feedback coming up. So uh, we should check the chat room. The only one that I know for sure who's in there is Don. KC9ZMY. I'm not sure anybody else is on the stream or anybody else is in the chat room, but we thank Don for hanging out with us tonight. Even yeah, though I think really he's quiet uh, in there. Yeah, I think Washing he's doing dishes. dishes yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all right, so we'll hit the social media roundup and then I guess we'll all go about our merry way until Thursday night. Woohoo! All right, so this week for the social media roundup, for our Patreons list, we have John Spriggs, Steve Sainer, Donald Gever, Robert Pitts, Paul Griffith, and Jonas Rulo. For our subscriptions, we have Johnny Kinsey, Stephen Harp, John Clark, Dylan Angle, Bill Piotr, Charlie Brown, Jeremy Hall, Brian Smith, Ronald Ike, Darren King, John Fotchke, Michael Jacobs, Ton Bauer, excuse me, Todd Bowers, Christopher Weaver, Doug Redder, Michael Conley, Robert Doherty, Alan Wilson, Kevin Murray, Michael Aiello, Robert Halliday, Robert Yerke, James Blocker, Wayne Carpenter, and Thor Wheatman. On Facebook, we have Mark Muller, Jonathan Williams, David Polson, William Huff, Thomas Kerr, Dave Stewart, Gary Brewer, Danny Hensley, and Kieran Ashman. On Google+, Plus, we have Jimmy Malia. On Twitter, we have at Tom O'Boyle, at Tad McDermott, at BadgerOps, at Piper at Dawn, at D. Clark, at WI9LL underscore Will, at WA4ZKO2, JR Sharp, Olson CNC, Amateur Logic, and Podcast Engineer. On YouTube, we have Roger uh, Pariah. I believe that's how that's pronounced. Pariah. Pariah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Mogens Peterson, uh, Anza Ritha One, and Ian Khan, and nobody joined the mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales. 
All right, very good. So I believe we are down to the end, unless uh, Don wants to stop doing dishes for a second. And say something. Oh, look, Ted is actually in <laughs> there. there. We missed Ted. Sorry, Ted. W-A-0-E-I-R. And He's there. I think we also want to remind people that, you know, in the subscription list, if you're on PayPal... Yeah, we want you to move to Patreon. Patreon, right. right. Yeah, so start converting to Patreon if you're still doing your active subscription and stuff like that with PayPal. Uh, get over there and become a Patreon. Yes, do a Patreon. Do us all a favor and become a Patreon. So, And if you can't for some reason or you just like PayPal... <laughs> I mean, okay. that's fine. It, that's it all works. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you get the opportunity, switch over to Patreon. All right, so I think we're done. We'll be back on Thursday with The Weekender, which we still haven't got a new name for, so we're still calling it that. Yeah, I like The Weekender. Yeah, I guess so. you didn't like The Weekender before. I'm pretty sure if you yeah. listen to the first episode, you're like, nah, I don't like that name. Yeah, <laughs> well, whatever. It's, I guess it's becoming... It's become, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. become the status quo, right. so... Yeah, we are taking announcements from people in the chat room as well. Uh, we've already picked up a couple, I think, uh, over this past week that we'll be including in the week or so. If you have something, uh, we're not uh, listening actively in the chat room, even though we're on. Just go ahead and leave the note there. We can get it there. Otherwise, email us and, or send us you know, something on social media. One way or another, the message will get to us. I always look at my log and everything else, so uh, you're not going to... Not going to be unheard <laughs> if you leave us a note in the chat room. Yeah. You can also use Gnorman's tell function. You can, you can do, you know, tell somebody something and it will appear whenever they log in next to the IRC chat. So, cool. just, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we hear you one way or the other. But anyway, we're going to get on out of here. We'll be back in a few days, actually, with episode number 208. But this has been episode number 207. And I'm going to go ahead and push the outro button, and we'll catch you all in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack in the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license.